This is KWOD Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand, and we're we're on live. We're on live, and we're on the phone with G.D. Grace, and I've got, according to my information, you've got five books out. That's that correct. correct. I've got five books out. <laughs> As I was counting, I was reading your 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 information, and mm-hmm. I said, "Okay, I didn't see all of them on Lulu." So I started counting. Okay, you've got you've got a couple here that that I didn't see. Um, you got the first one, which was "Nights of Deception." That's correct. That was published in October of two thousand and nine. And then um, then you got into what we would call kind of serials, uh, you, kind of season one, two, and three of Ripped and Ready. That's it. That's it. I wrote Ripped and Ready. Um, I wrote Ripped and Ready one on a blog, and I had people following me as I wrote it. It's a little blog called Story Alley. And then um, I went on ahead and started season two, and broke season two up in ten chapters at a time and sold them that way um, on um, on Lulu. And then from that, once I could, uh, completed season two, I compiled piled it all together and um, had season two as a whole book. And then I uh, I published Dragged. I published Dragged. So I wrote those uh, first four books within six months of each other. Wow. You got motivated. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I was making up for lost time. <laughs> so on Ripped and Ready, you have the third one that is that is out now. Yeah, Ripped and Ready uh, Season 3 was released in um, October, I believe. It was October of last year, uh, 2010. It took me a little bit longer to uh, complete that one because I fell in love <laughs> and it kind of got sidetracked. Mm-hmm. But once I fell out of love, um, I was able to actually go ahead on and complete that one. And um, yeah. I'm working actually on Mhm. I, I find that that's true. You know, we get into a relationship and suddenly our writing kind of goes to the wayside for a while. And, um, well, and then either we get used to the person and we start writing again. <laughs> Or we yeah, have, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, the the I was writing on uh, pure emotion when I actually wound up uh, finishing Ripped and Ready Three, and um, you know, as a writer, um, I believe most writers, since I interview a lot of writers too, I think that you know we we really do write on on our emotions. You know, I mean, yes, d- depending on where it is, you know, we could really pump out some material. <laughs> That's true. It's when we find our uh, our inner muse just screaming at us. <laughs> I'll say. Now, I was reading on your Ripped and Ready. It was kind of interesting how you had broken that apart. Um, and we were talking about, yes, seasons. Now, is it kind of like uh, you refer to it as a soap opera on your uh, some of the other information I read about you? Um, how do you how did that come about? You know, it's real funny. You know, it took me, you know, a couple of months to actually write Nights of Deception. And so once I finished with that, um, I found this uh, little blog called uh, Story Alley. And so I said, well, you know, Glenn, go ahead on and, you know, write like a chapter or two. And then the next thing you know, I had like about two or 300 people following the storyline. So I'd be pumping out four chapters like every few days. And then people were making comments on this as I was writing it. You know, they had really gotten involved into the characters, uh, Marco Thompson, DeAndre Washington, uh, Colin Clark, and then Todd Berry. And, um, and, and it, and because they were waiting for every single time for me to come on with something new, it almost was like writing a soap opera. So, <laughs> so that's why I refer to once I finished that as season one, 
And then at the end of season one, I left it like a cliffhanger. You know, the cliffhanger was play, the cliffhanger was play that MF to the end. And so everybody wanted to know what that phrase meant, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, now you had a little bit of time between, like, season one and two and then three. Obviously, there was more time between season two and three. Uh, oh, most definitely. Now, I read that what you did was after you wrote it on uh, Story Alley, um, then you pulled those chapters off and made it into a book, and then you published it. Exactly. That's exactly what I did. And um, I I put it together, and um, the editing, you know, for for people that are self-publishing, people that are starting out, the one thing that I have found, um, having the freedom to do your own Mm -hmm. self-publishing, it also means that you have the um, the opportunity <laughs> and the task of editing your work, you know, and, and I'll definitely always give editors uh, very high respect because when I go back to read Ripped and Ready, you know, I see some of the things that I've done wrong, but the, the, the main part that I look at is that what I accomplished, because I think Ripped and Ready 1 is like 297 pages or 267 or something like that, and... Um, so it gave me a chance to actually um, go through and kind of uh, reread what I uh, uh, did on it. I would read, like, different chapters to see, um, you know, to see what kind of typos I had and all of that. Um, but by the time I finished uh, season one and got it all wrapped up into the, the the Lulu, I realized, hey, wait a minute, you know, with a certain amount of chapters, you could actually sell ten chapters at a time. And that was a move I made to actually lure readers over from free to pay. And and it actually yielded the highest units ever that I sold during Ripped and Ready 2. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the publishing process in a bit because I wanted to ask you a couple questions to see if there's maybe something I can I can help you with there. Okay. Um about your information, we you've got I've got your information on uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. and I'm letting everyone know that a lot of this information is going to be right in chat here on Blog Talk. So you'll find out um, he's got a WordPress. In other words, you got a blog that you write in. Yes, I do have a, a WordPress uh, blog. It's HTTP colon, forward slash, forward slash, author to be, that's A-U-T-H-O-R, the number two, B-E, dot WordPress, dot com. Awesome. And uh, does everyone know that it's right in chat here, so that way you can take it right off of there? Mm-hmm. You can uh, also write any note or question for Mr. Grace here uh, on the chat, or we can call him. We'd love love to have you on board to talk to us at 714-242-5145. That's 714-242-5145. He also has a Facebook page, which I just I just put on the uh, chat as well. And Thank that, you, because I don't know that one by heart. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty easy. It's facebook.com slash glenn, G-L-E-N-N dot grace. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So it's just real simple. Um, but you know, never know because we hear you got uh, you know your different uh, author name compared to your name on Facebook. So <laughs> some people might. You know, it. and it's real funny. You know, because I went under the name of author G D Grace, and so eventually people started calling me G D. <laughs> so it kind of <laughs> took a, took on a life of all its own. Well, that's just, that's it, isn't it? Uh, I do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, really I, is. <laughs> Where yeah. uh, my publisher name is Patty, of course, was my real name, but uh, my author name is PJ. Um, and oh, I for, didn't even know that, Patty. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for a long time, only my mother called me PJ. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I said, well, I I wanted something different. Uh, I've got a couple of names for author because. Um, one is obviously uh, time travel romance, so uh, I want that to be PJ Holstrand. So okay, 
as my first series, as a series I love the most, and and uh, so that one's going to be a long time coming. It's going to be fourteen, fourteen books right now. So wow, you know what's funny is that um, what's really funny is that um, Ripped and Ready. Um, so Ripped and Ready one, of course, you know, it is my one of my favorites um, because I really got into the four characters: the hopeless romantic, the the pretty boy, the thug and then the um, dashing, you know, riding up on a white horse type of guy. <clears throat> but then um, I, I, once I really started getting into the characters, you know, it, it, it did. When I, I, I didn't have as much fuel as I had when I went into season two because all season two was was, you know, tying up some loose ends from season one. Right. And then by the time I reached season three, you know, I was writing on half Hume, you know, and then the readers kept wanting season four, which I started. I started season four. So uh-huh. as a writer, to stay in the same storyline when your creativity is, is, you know, pulling you to try to do something else, you know, I was torn. And, yeah. and, and I'm still kind of torn because people are looking for um, and have been asking for season four, Boys to Men. And I kind of started writing it, and then I stopped. Yeah. You know, so, so are you writing, working on uh-huh. something else? Are you working on something else in between this? That just kind of oh yeah. Blank? I actually have three books that I need to finish. Um, the one that's really in in the forefront is Daddy, and Daddy mm-hmm. is about um, a father who regains custody of his thirteen uh, year old son, and he's trying to deprogram him from the life that his estranged wife, who is deceased now, um, was kind of leading him into. She was leading him into the underground economy, the fast life, and so he's trying to bring him back and put him on the right track. Then I have a book called With Arms Around Me, and that's about a quilt with um, with healing powers. It, the quilt is actually the lost wings of an angel that you eventually oh, wow. find out in the book. Yeah, and then I have um, Unspeakable Acts, which is the story of a uh, crooked minister. <laughs> wow. I've been reading more of those types of things, you know, about the uh, ministers gone rogue. So <laughs> seems to be oh, yeah. a popular... Yeah, I actually started, and I started writing Unspeakable Acts prior to this whole Eddie Long thing. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's kind of uh, interesting that you know that came out, and so you know I've got these three books to complete. But as a writer, you know we always have you know different projects going on. I've got a couple of other yeah. ones that I just kind of wrote the synopsis for. I've got one called uh, Red that I've not really talked too much about. Um, I'm just in inspired by J.K. Rowling and, and what she did with the Harry Potter series. Mm. So I wanted to get into, uh, away from the more urban literature and, and into more, um, I don't know, where you're creating everything. You're creating the town. You're creating, you know, uh, right. the behaviors of the people um, in that town. So Red, <clears throat> I came up with that concept when I was driving home. Uh, from this uh, long commute that I had briefly, and I saw this little girl with red pigtails in her hair, and I said, hey, I need to write a book called Red, you know. But that's about as much as I'll say about that particular book because it's real new. Now, we we call that world building, when you have to create yeah. a brand new location or a whole different type of uh, people. So it's kind of fun right. to do that. I guess you know what gonna... it really is? Go ahead. Uh-huh, what were you saying? I, I was just going to let you know somebody's on the line for you. Oh, okay. Go for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, this is uh, 0814. Are you there? Yes, I am. Did you have something to share with us or a question or comment? Yes. yes first, Patty, I want to thank you for allowing me to to, uh, to share on the show. My name is Angel Mason. I also am an author. And I was recently interviewed by this very gifted young man, and I just met him recently, but I did not know many of the things that he's sharing now. And I was just curious, G.D., what 
at what age did you realize that you were wanted to write, and what what really inspired you to start writing? It's, it's just just curious to know. Well, you know, I was I I had clinical depression, is what it was. I've always been somewhat of a creative person. You know, I used to do a lot of drawing, and 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 then eventually it led to poetry writing, and then it led to a journal you know, to try to help me write down my thoughts, you know, when dealing with that depression. And then it led to songwriting because I thought I was going to be a songwriter at one point in time. And then eventually I started writing these uh, poems for the company I worked for that they would share to inspire the sales team. And then it went into um, uh, one of my favorite authors, um, Elin Harris and James Earl Hardy. I said, well, these people can write books. I like how they write, I want to be able to tell stories too, and that's how it took off. That is amazing. I just never knew. I didn't. I I had a chance to talk with you, but I I never knew this that you were so extremely gifted. Just amazing. Oh, it wow. makes me feel like me feel like <laughs> I need to get on get moving here. <laughs> All of oh, the books that you've written. <laughs> that's Thank you for letting me. That's one reason why we interview. That way, you know, you'll get to know this person even even deeper than you knew him. So that's well, I, 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 I just say, never knew. <laughs> well, I just you know I'm, I'm I try to be as humble as possible. You know, I really got into the um, the um, highlighting other authors and, and learning from other authors and. And putting myself out there as a way of giving back because, you know, I did self-publish five books, and there are a lot of people that are just starting out. So I, I kind of downplay what I do, you know, to, to allow other people to shine because it eventually comes back to you. But, Angel, I thank you for all of your support because that was a really riveting show that we did. But that's who I am. This is me. Well, I would just like <laughs> to conclude, Patty, by saying I've invited GB to participate with me in a huge uh, uh, event that's going to be held at e at the USC called Models of Pride. And he, awesome. um, he uh, the, 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 as I'm listening to uh, him talking about the clinical depression and all of the things that he went through growing, growing up as a same gender loving youth, I, I know that his testimony, for uh, if you want to call it that, is going to really inspire the thousands of youth that will emerge uh, at, and come to that California, emerge on USC, and come from all states to California for that conference. So learning more about him has definitely helped me to uh, know how to be able to present him at that time. Thanks for letting me share. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's what it's all about. Thank and you. thank you, Angel. Have thank you so much for your support and encouragement. You're welcome. Thank Keep you. going, brother. Keep going. You're destined to change lives. Take care. Now. All right. Thank you very much. You take care. Wow, that was cool. That was cool. That nice to be able to talk to people who you've already talked to. But you see, that's just it. You know, as as a presenter, you don't say a lot of things uh, about yourself, but it comes out when you interview with somebody else. Exactly. Cause, uh, you know, I, in all honesty, I had forgotten, you know, because when the weather changes, when the days start getting a little short, um, <laughs> I also found out that I have something called seasonal depression. <laughs> uh-huh. So so I know that when the days start getting shorter, it's around this time of the year that I have to be real careful, you know. So I've been kind of like in a fog, but then I always go on Facebook because I'm always networking. And then I saw your post, and thank you for posting that. I'm like, oh, my God, i got a show on the 30th to do. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and yeah. I, I remind it because that way it reminds me. I have to keep it on my calendar along with everything else. Otherwise, I'd for, I would totally forget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what else do you want to know about uh, any of well, what I do? Or I know that – I think that what you've got here is you – Obviously, very deep story. It's, you're talking about four men uh, on your Ripped and Ready. You have four men who are childhood friends, mm-hmm. and they're trying to deal with the complicated things about their lives. 
Uh, obviously, their sexuality is involved here, and definitely African American men. So uh, they're living in a small community. Um, yeah, I know San Francisco Bay Area, but because uh, I have family there, do you mm-hmm. do you feel that? Why did you pick that area instead of where you live, which is not too far from there, but still a different area? Well, the reason I picked the area is because I was familiar with it, and I knew that credibility is everything. So if people are to read your information, I mean, I could definitely not write too much about being a police officer, you know, because I don't really know what it's like to be a police officer, because if a police officer picks up the book, and read some of this stuff, it's like, you know, I had to write within what my knowledge was. And so I grew up here in the Bay Area. I was born in Gulfport, Mississippi. But I grew up here in the San Francisco Bay Area in a little um, community called East Palo Alto, which is a few miles away from um, uh, San Francisco. It's in between San Francisco and San Jose. And um, I decided to make the location where everything happened in a court. You know, and and you have to understand, I'm the product of uh, Aaron Spelling, (laughs) the Aaron (laughs) Spelling Finishing School. (laughs) Oh, okay. Because I used to, you know, I used to watch Dynasty and Knott's Landing and Mm. The Love Boat and all of these different shows that talk, that were about love. And then I got into the art of cliffhangers, where you Uh would, and, and, you know, I I have to tell you, you know. That that is quite That explains the episodes. That explains your episodes, your seasons. Yeah, yeah. And another thing, too, that a lot of people don't know, because in self-publishing, because I did step out on faith, I had no clue as to what I was doing during the first uh, uh, four books. So those first four books are actually eight and a half by 11. (laughs) That's why I was wondering. Yeah, and you know, because when I got Knights of Deception in the mail, I looked and I'm like, oh, God, it's so big. The box is huge, right? Uh And um, I opened it and I'm like, it's beautiful because, you know, that was the first time that I'd ever seen anything that I had written bound, Mm -hmm. you know, as a book. And, of course, Knights of Deception is, uh, the first four books are house graphics. The first five books are house graphics. That means that I used the graphics that Lulu had you know, um, because I didn't know anything about, you know, graphic, but I did know that I needed to put a cover on my my, my um, book. And so um, eventually I found out how to shrink it and, and make it down to um, book size with uh, Ripped and Ready 3. I learned about pixels. I've actually got my picture on the back of that book. Um, uh, I actually shrunk it. That book is about 345 pages, Ripped and Ready 3. And that'd be eight and a half by five and a half, or yeah, or it's a normal book size. Okay, which called trade paperback. I think we got somebody online here. Okay. I believe I know the number, but let me look. Six six eight zero. Is this who I think it is? Yes, it is. <laughs> this is Charles. What's up, hey, Charles? How you doing? What up, GD? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I, I'm, I've been missing the show, so I don't. I didn't hear any of the topic yet. I just walked in. So what's going on? What, what you guys discussing? Well, we were ta- talking about his five books. He's got five books. Did you know that? Um, I, I've heard of three titles. We we talked the other night, and he told me about the three he was finishing. So. He's got five written, but he's got a bunch of others that he's working on. So it's kind of like you. He's got pieces <laughs> of <laughs> he's got pieces of stories. Um, for I think you were telling me it's four or five other stories that you that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I have Daddy. I have Unspeakable Acts, and with arms around me that that and, I'm working on. But the first five are <clears throat> actually Nights of Deception. Ripped and Ready, 1, 2, and 3, and then Dragged. Those are the first five. So they they are, uh, we were talking, just going over publishing, because uh, when he first got his 
book back. He didn't know that eight and a half by eleven is not a normal size for a book his his type of book. So uh, he he still loved it because obviously it's his firstborn. Uh, that right. he he since then has made changes and and it's gotten it down to uh, normal tray paperback. So uh, he's learning as you go. Yeah, and that's pretty much what it is, and that is the story that, um, which is why I love um, the up-and-coming, you know, artists that are out there, you know, because it doesn't matter how little you know. What matters is that you're making the effort to follow your dream, you know. So what I want my story to be is that, yeah, my first four books were eight and a half by 11, but because I hung in there and I listened, you know, and I observed, and I took a chance to invest and respect this um, this this whole um, business as far as literary goes. I wanted to get better. That's why with this next book that I'm writing, Daddy, I've been ta- I've been taking my time with it. I've been talking to graphic artists. I even might want to go with another with an actual publisher to get that 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 polished treatment. You know. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's what Charles does. Is, mm-hmm. uh, and you know he he had come to me that way too. He says, "Well, uh, he said I want want to do publishing," and I said, "But you down a publisher?" He says, "Yes, I know. It's why I have you for." So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's how yeah. we. Got <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Charles is an amazing talent. You know, I also love his. Um, his dedication to the art, you know, and that's, and, and another thing too, you know, uh, there are, I, I talk to authors all over the um, United States and even some abroad, you know, overseas. And the one thing that I am drawn to when we're talking about this, this venture as far as literary is that I know the real deal when I talk to them now. That's one thing that um, networking has afforded me the um, the gift of is to be able to know when somebody is really about the the literary art itself, as opposed to mm-hmm. a fly by night that's looking to put out a book and make a million copies, you know, exactly. or sell a million million copies, because that's not how how it is. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to share with us, Charles? Oh uh, no, just I'm just listening for a second, and um, so so GD, are you thinking of actually? Um, becoming a publisher too? Well, you know what? Uh, it's funny. A young lady asked me to be her publisher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could have easily said, yeah, I'll do it. This is how much I'm going to charge you. But because um, even though I've been at this for um, going on, what, three years now, I don't know that I would be able to represent her the way she deserved to be represented at this time. And so what I told her, because I had to think about it, I said, you know, GD, you know, your word and your bond is everything in this business. That's why I take so much, um, uh, why I treat everything professional when I'm networking on uh, Facebook, when I'm putting together the shows for A Touch of Grace and the people that I have on them. It's like credibility is everything to me. So I said, if I took this on, would I be able to still do the talk show to be able to write my own stuff? No, because I'd be dedicated to um, an author. But you know, to make a long story short, yeah, one day I do want to um, have that uh, that publishing or publisher um, because I want to be able to uh, be the door for other uh, people out there aspiring to be writers. And based on what I've learned well, and what I've known, yes. One thing, one thing you've got to know and you got to understand, and one thing I understand about you is the same thing you understand about me, where your heart is um, when it comes to helping somebody. Do you have all the ins and outs of the publishing world? No, I don't either, but yet and still you have the resources to find out. These are going to be the same people who are going to go get promises from some company that a company is not going to deliver, and what I what one of my main goals was is I didn't want people to 
lose the sight of their gift because they wrote a book, now they published a book through some company, and the company said they was going to do this and do that and do that for them, and that never happened. So what I do right away is I tell people, I'm not going to promise you anything I can't deliver. I cannot promise you you're going to sell a 1,000 books. I can't promise you you're going to sell one book. But what I can promise you is from cover to cover, I'll make sure you have the best book. Um, Self-publishing, just because you come through a self-publishing company, you still have to have a drive. I was talking to a young lady today, and um, I'm probably going to end up publishing her. She was going to go through a different company, and I was like, you know, you can go to them. You're going to probably give them about two grand. They're going to promise you all these different things. I said, but probably the only thing they're going to be able to give you that I'm not saying I'm going to give you is bookmarks, which I could actually give you, but I was just, you, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying that these, this is what's going on out here. So yeah. for a person to not have to pay $9 a book, if I can get you your book for $5 or less, that's going to give you more room to be able to afford to put that extra money into yourself in marketing because yet and still it's all about you. And then she said, oh, yeah, I was thinking about going to a marketing firm. I said, well, that's not a good idea in my opinion either because who are you? You know, you're going to go to a marketing firm. You're not Beyonce or you're not Halle Berry who's writing a book. Or the, A marketing firm can market you, yes, but who are they going to market you to? Who knows you, you know? So people have to understand that you have to, just because you wrote this book, you want to self-publish, and just because you've got a company name on your book doesn't mean that this company can promise you all these things. You still have to take the time out yourself, look for venues, look for avenues to sell your book. And that's what the people have to understand. I noticed, like, where our authors, we're doing, we're doing okay, but, I mean, it could be more, but everybody works a nine-to-five job. Um, most of my authors yeah. have yeah. families and children. So if you know you have all these things going on and this is your passion, you, it's only going to go so far as you make it go. You know, just because you got a company behind you doesn't mean that this company is going to make you a best-selling author. That's not what this self-publishing world is. So if your person Absolutely. understands that, this is your opportunity to jump in. You have people on your side like me. You have Patty. You have you have a wealth of information on your side to get you going. It shouldn't change your life. It shouldn't change what you're doing. It should change maybe an hour of your day to give to that author and her and her project. And if you have that hour a day to give to her, then you're doing your job. If you can give her the best book from cover to cover, you actually did your job as her self-publisher. So don't hesitate to get your feet wet because whether you do it now or you do it next year, you're going to have, you're going to have the same things going on. You're going to have the same elements surrounding you. No matter what you know, you can know it all. It's still going to be the same thing. This person who come to you as a self-published author still have to want to work. They have to want to work. Yeah, that's wow. such a big question. That's a big question. Are I they love, willing I, to do I, it? I, I like how you explain that. As a matter of fact, the young lady that um, <clears throat> that I was referring to, I told her, I said, well, you know, um, this is what I, I, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable at this point doing this, but what I will do is I will help you get your material up to a certain point um, to where you feel comfortable with it. I'm willing to do that. So I put the ball in her corner and told her, I would, you know, for the most part I wouldn't be the, the, the publisher wearing the hat, but I would be the support system behind her, um, you know, okay. helping her do her editing, helping her, you know, try to figure out how this graphic design thing works. And I put it to her like that, but... I've not heard anything <laughs> from her. Well, what happens, you know, I give you a little formula I use. I, I, You know, I wrote my first book. When I did Homies, I went to a company um, called Publish America. I just say their name because I don't care. They still have my book. <laughs> I, have not, I have not pulled that book from them. The reason I have not pulled that book yet and rewrote that book is because that's living proof. You can go to their website. You can see a Charles Burgess novel, the first novel there. Well, they said they were going to do all these different things, which never happened, and I end up paying almost $8, sometimes $9 a book. Um, right. So it was fine because I didn't know. I was new to the game. Mm-hmm. I didn't really come out of any money up front, but I didn't really get anything for not coming up 
with no money up front. I didn't get anything, so all I got was a book that I could order, and that wasn't what I wanted. So I started searching, right. and I, I talk about this in the article, and I started visiting a lot of sites, started doing a lot of different things, and I went to a site called LinkedIn, and first I found mm-hmm. an editor. Um, I didn't know how good this editor was going to be. She ended up being great, ended up being a great editor. She was she was a little pricey, but mm-hmm. I went with it. And so after the editing, I needed a cover. I used a guy out of California to design the book cover for Don't Say You Do If You Don't. He was a little pricey, but I went with it. Um, then mm-hmm. last but least, I found Patty, and this is how I found Patty. And we got to talking, and actually we started off with Patty just being my printer. Um, she was actually just supposed to print my book. And we ended up mm-hmm. talking more and more every day, every day, every day. And I just said, you know what, I got all these people, and I talked to all of them. I talked to the cover designer, the editor. I talked to Patty. I said, you know what, I want to take all you guys, even though you own your own company, start my own company, and whatever you guys charge the people, this is what I want the people to pay. I want the people to get under my label and get their book out because this is how it should go. I seen how it should go. But yet, lo and mm-hmm. behold, I start dealing with people whose finances were less and less and less. So then exactly. Patty was the only one who seen my vision of, you know, we're working with people. We're not working with people who make fifty to $100,000 a year. We're working with people that might work at McDonald's. They might make twenty, thirty thousand 30000 a year with a family. So it has to be some affordable way for them to manifest their craft. So I cut, stayed with Patty. Charles, she showed Charles, me how to, cut off the flourishment. Get down to the nitty-gritty here. <laughs> the nitty-gritty. This is Mr. Grayson. <laughs> the nitty gritty of it. It is interesting. I'm gonna tell you that right now. <laughs> well, well, the nitty gritty of it, JD, is if you put together a proper team, you can find you someone to help you all the time with your editing, someone to help you with your graphic design, whatever you need, and you can start your imprint label. And it can be affordable for people, and you'll help people. You'll help people more than these companies that they're dealing with now. Well, it sounds to me like I've I've got two 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 more aces in the hole, you know, between you and Patty. But you know, I absolutely I, I love listening to what you were just just sharing. It was very encouraging, very encouraging. And I definitely took it. And what I do is I take stuff and I digest it, and I sleep on it, you yeah. know. And then in about a week, the light bulb flashes on. I goes, okay, this is what I want to do. So I really appreciate all that, Charles. I really do, man. Not a problem. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Hey, thanks, Charles. Hey, thanks, okay. Charles, and thanks for the support. And we'll be in touch, man. And I haven't forgot about the book. I'm going to be reading my first five chapters of it. Well, yeah, no worry. You won't get, you won't get anything else to read until that's done. Yeah. He told okay. me that. <laughs> he, said, he said he won't let me have anything more until I read Cricket and Honey. <laughs> exactly. The first five, at least. So, yeah, I love it. So what else did you want to know from me, uh, Patty? What else did you – could I share with, with the listeners out there? Well, we could get uh, down, really down deep with this and, and talk about the type of story that you write. Um, obviously, we're talking about um, – let's see if it is just using – I'm reading your information. We've got mm-hmm. – Street life and infidelity and romance and and substance abuse. You got some really deep things going on here. Obviously, you got your whole sexuality issue. And, of course, that's of course. the underlying theme. And uh, so, I guess the question is is to me, um, do you find that your market as and I'm going to say say it, being the African American male, you think that you're saying that that's just hard, a harder uh, role for the African American male, or is that you're finding that this is opening up more? Well, you know what I find, um, to be quite honest, you know, when I created the characters, you know, Marco Thompson, they asked, people have asked me, well, what character is you? I said, well, none of them are me. These are characters that I made up, you know, but if there is a character, that is like me. You know, Marco Thompson is the hopeless romantic. You know, he has a sister, and he has a father and a mother. The mother is a very um, apron-wearing, very, you know, church-going, very liberal-minded because she embraces his son and loves his son for who 
he is, whereas you have the, uh, the father who was a philanderer. The father actually had a very poor taste as far as fashion goes. He, he loved wearing polyester stuff and, you know, chasing the women, drinking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of people like the father in the, in, in the book. Um, and, I, of course, I used uh, two namers when I was referring to the adults in the book because of my southern roots. You know, the uh-huh. mother's name is Flora May. And um, and so Marco is searching for love. And so everything started out between him and his friend DeAndre Washington when they were in their adolescent, you know, their experimental stage. See, a lot of what I found out is that growing up, our family didn't talk about sex, you know, so whatever I found out about sex, I stumbled upon it, you know. It was through experimentation. Right. Um, right. And then um, at some point in time, you know, Marco finds himself in a predicament where his uh, two of his friends, because one of them moved away for a moment. Todd moved away and moved to Texas with his family. So the two guys that were still there with him moved on from the experimentation with him and moved into mm-hmm. wanting to be with women. Uh-huh. So that kind of left him out in the cold. But wow. they would always tip back to be with him. And there's a lot of and it. And I don't want to say that it's down low activity because I'm so sick of that word um, because I really just believe sexuality is sexuality across the board. But right. they kind of play games with his heart throughout the book. And so the story really is a story about um, a, a search for love. And and when people have read this book, I've had women in their 60s and 70s reading Ripped and Ready, and I've had people younger than that reading it. And so there's something in the storyline that appeals to, um, to people that you're just your everyday people. You know, people that can identify with the nosy neighbor across the street, people that can identify, you know, right, people right. that can identify meeting some creep in a club that turns out to be kind of questionable. Right. Um, or even the father, you know, because we, we've yeah. all had, you know, some uh, parent or another who has been like that. Uh, exactly. Because him, yeah, cause he and his father, you know, really had. Uh, not saying that my father and I had a relationship like that, but even to this day, and, you know, by the grace of God, he's still alive, but we are not close. Last time I saw him was, like, in 2008. But um, I really put a lot more, I don't want to say a comedic edge to the father, kind of like he is kind of like a cartoon character, you know, Mm. wears white socks with dress shoes, (laughs) you know. And he goes out on the town chasing. And that, when I created that character, he's a combination of older men that I knew growing up where I grew up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So he is based on he is based on somebody. I think everybody has has been around somebody like that. And so they can uh, they yeah so they can uh, they can uh, you know that means something to them because they say, oh yeah that reminds me of uh, you know my friends father who who used to be who used to be dressed like that and be like that so <laughs> we can all you know really uh get into these characters um, oh yeah it, so you're finding that that even though your storyline is obviously uh in the sexuality range that that it doesn't really matter um who is reading it because they still they still get into the character and they still get into the overall arc of love, which is really what you're trying to portray here. Right, and and, and the, the Rich and Ready series is really about you know these these four guys are are going through life because you know with each of the books they're a little older, and um, but they always manage to come together at the end. That's you awesome, know? and. and it, yeah, and I actually always plug the the title "Ripped and Ready" throughout the book. That's another little you know tidbit that I you know found myself doing tagging how I write. You know, like he was this, he was that, he was ripped and ready, and I'd highlight the title. So I plug the title throughout the book. Ah, so, okay. I was going to ask you, how did you come up with that title? That uh, ripped so and ready. 
It's just a, a term that you that you're using, and then you wind up making it the title of your book. Well, you know what Rift is, right? Rift is the six pack app. Right, right. Yeah, Rift and ready. So that means that they got the six pack and they're ready. So that <laughs> and you know, and there really wasn't a lot of thought that went into it because I started writing the storyline before I even had a title. It's kind of yeah. a sexy title, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and 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 it's funny, you know. There's there's uh, when we talk about the infidelity, um, you know, of course there is uh, a scene where or or a part or a chapter where Marco is talking to his mother because he believes his mother is this very naive woman, and as a result of that conversation, he realizes that his mother is not as naive as he believes she is, and she delivers a twist in Ripped and Ready 1 that just makes your mouth drop (laughs) about infidelity. Yeah, it's almost like people are out there sleeping around, and you just never know who you wind up sleeping with because of the six degrees by separation thing. Ah, there you go. There you go, and and that's how it is. Yeah. Now, I want to also talk before we, we're like about 12 minutes left here, but I want to talk about your poetry. Okay. And because uh, you've got several books of poetry. So tell us well, how. actually. Is it just one? Well, actually, I had uh, Uncharted Possibilities, and that was the first dip that I took into publishing because it was an e-book. It was a group of poems that I wrote while I was working at this Fortune 500 company. And these poems were used to inspire people. I said, so I, it was kind of like a test run when I put those out there oh, uh, to okay. see how they would do. And um, and there were some sales that went along with it. You know, it wasn't great, great sales. But um, I find that writing period, because I could sit down and write a song, but then every now and then a poem will come to me, you know, because I have poems on my blog as well, and I write a lot of quotes that people uh, really gravitate to. So the poetry and the quotes and some of the points of views that I write really are kind of what a lot of the times I'm encouraging myself through a lot of them or figuring things out as I'm posting them. And it's almost like I'm opening up myself to to people that are reading these things, and a lot of people really gravitate onto it because, let's face it, you know, all of us experience, like, discouragement or, you know, uncertainty or sorrow or sadness, which is why I shared um, my awakening, the poem Happy, where I um, battled the, 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 the substance abuse and tried to commit suicide that day, and I took some pills, and then I woke up, and I was still alive. And I said, well, you know what, God, you want me here, so <laughs> you got to tell me what you want me to do. And the yeah. end result was a poem a couple of years later called Happy. That's, that's an awesome story. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we have all gone through some really tough things, you know, says you, uh, well, Thank God you you're still here. That's awesome. Oh yeah. And and yeah, you're right. That means that you're, you're that he's not done with you. <laughs> he's not right. done with you. You have some other some other uh, thing that you had to do. So that's great. Now I did notice that you have two author names. Yes. Yet Freightman. Very perceptive. So what's well, you the know, deal? Are you? <laughs> I use okay. This is of course not knowing what <laughs> I was doing, and I got And I really have to correct that. I, I got to make some decisions about the books that are out there with Freightman on there. Freightman is a, a family name. Okay, so when okay. I wrote it under Story Alley, Alley, I used a family name as opposed to my name Grace, and that was one of those moments where you go, "Why did I do that?" So, you know, I have two books out there with G.D. Frankman on there. And, um, of course, as my confidence grew, 
Mm-hmm. I, I said, Glenn, use your real last name. You don't need a pen name. You know, you've you got a name that flows. It's called Grace. So yes, know. yes, yeah. I gotta say that that definitely <laughs> Grace works. And I thought yeah. it was the op- I thought it was the opposite way. So that was kind of funny. That's a uh, very good question, Patty. Wow, you've been doing your homework, kiddo. Well, I said I would read everything, and then I I, I do that. So that way I can pick out little things um, yes. that other people may not may not read. Because you, uh, you're a long time person. You're a person who stays with something for a long time. Says so you, you've been uh, you've been around a different employer for a lot of years. So you're a person who's oh yeah. Them. And you know, obviously you you got your second chance here, and you took it with your writing. And oh, I have yeah. to tell you, I have to tell you, you and I have almost the same story. Wow. I I I uh, almost died about eight years ago from a staph infection mm-hmm. from an oper- operation that went bad. Okay. And I was in and out of the hospital four times that year. So they kept messing up, and so by the third time, I said, "Well, if they haven't killed me by now." <laughs> There's a reason why I'm still here. A reason why I'm still here. <laughs> and yes. uh, I found my story. I, I had started years before that on a yellowed paper, tractor-fed paper, and um, I read it and said, okay, well, this is obviously crap. So <laughs> I threw it out <laughs> over again. But I did take <laughs> my main man character and uh, totally changed it and it became Time Conquers All, uh, 296,000 words. I sat down, wrote 296,000 words in six months, and that became my new mantra for life. And I said, okay, it's great, see, that, yeah. it's great that you're getting into it. Says, it's great that I'm getting this thing published. great this thing I'm getting. I tried working on you know, getting it published for somebody else. Uh, wound up that some other people kept coming to me and saying, you know, you already publish other things. I publish magazines and catalogs and other other program books. Why don't you just publish our book? I said, well, it, because it's a different thing entirely. And he said, well, we don't think so. We want you to do it because we're not willing to wait. Okay. <laughs> so I did. Uh-huh. And then I, I realized, okay, it's not just enough to write it. I had to actually take my graphic design and my experience in publishing and put it into something else and actually help others with what I learned all these years. That's wonderful. And maybe that's why I vibed with you. You know, I can yeah. tell with people that are giving and kind, you know, that are in this for the love of, you know, the literary and then the love of, of paying forward. You know, I love that movie with Lily Halley Joel Olsen in it. And, yeah. You know, and I get that from Charles. I get that from you. And there are a few other people that I deal with out here in, in this literary world. And it's just an honor to know that I'm in company, such good company, such wonderful company. Charles also had a second chance. So I can't tell you that story because that's his story to tell. But and he'll he eventually tell it to me. Oh, yeah. He had no problem telling you. It's just... It, yeah, this is your story. But the thing yeah. is that apparently people who are, are meant to start really writing heavily later in life um, have something happen to them that pushes them, propels them to do so. Like an epiphany. So, well, yeah. you know, you kind of wake up and then say, okay, I'm not happy with what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. So I totally, totally changed my life. Uh, got rid of what didn't work. I'm not going to say anything more about that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and I, I hear you. <laughs> and said, you know, okay, so life, this is what I do need to do. So that's what we and have you know, to do. And, and the thing about life, life is not, you know, always going to be blue skies and sun, no. you know, but you learn to enjoy the rain and the wind, you know. and, and, and It gets and, stronger. And, and, Get stronger in that wind too. Exactly, yeah. you really do, and that's what I—that's how I feel. Like my life is, and the people that I'm encountering this 
this next half of my life, and I'm not saying the last half, this next right. half, you know, um, are, are people that, that really understand who I am that, mm-hmm. as a literary person and an expressionist, and, 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 and it's good. It's real good, Patty. That's what it's all about, and that's and that's exactly why we gravitate towards those kind of people. Most uh, definitely. We both are given another chance to do something else that we were meant to do, uh, but didn't didn't get around to the first part of our lives. We learned how to love ourselves and believe in ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Most no, that's, that's so a, hopefully. So hopefully, you know, this is the beginning. You know, we've been interacting, you and I, um, still, and you do have a friend here in me, Patty. I hope you know that. Uh, <laughs> okay, and a yeah, touch of grace okay. is, touch of grace is still, you know, going to be gone. So I know that you have other authors and whatever, but you know, um, I consider you to be a friend. That's awesome. I and that's, you know, that's one great thing about. Uh, about Facebook and about getting into this with other people, we touch people's lives that we wouldn't have normally touched, and we get to know other people. And that's, you know, as long as you're open and you know, open yourself up to the idea of, of meeting other people, that's what it's all about. You you can't close that's yourself it. off. Yeah, you might as well, then, you might you know, as well die. You know. You know, and that's, you know, what I found out, you know, I, I realized when I was in one of these rehab sessions that people gravitate, people that I didn't even think I affected were saying these things during graduation. You know, I'd look and I'd see your smile, Glenn, your big cheeks, and, you know, it just helped me be strong. You just never know who you touch, you know. Yeah, so the, 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 the Yeah, so the aura you wear is really important, you know, and I've learned to wear mine even when I'm having my blue days. You know. Yeah, well, yeah, we all have blue days, even even when there's sunshine. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> I have included yeah. your your Lulu page, just so that way everybody will know where to get your books. Okay. Uh, that's what it, you know. Even though I'm a publisher, it doesn't matter because I want everybody to know what you, where to find you. And, well, I appreciate uh, that, Patty, and and feel free to post anything on. Um, my um, my Facebook page, and then also if you need me to post anything on WordPress, you let me know. I posted Charles's stuff on there already, but Good. Uh, just shoot me anything because that's what it's all about. That's what paying forward is all about. Yeah, I, I, I keep you know they don't do that themselves. Sometimes I have to uh, add things to their own pages just to say you're supposed to be promoting yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah. So yeah. So whatever I could do. Um, I'm definitely open to it because uh, I like your spirit. I really oh, do. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and and helps to help help Charles out, keep him going. He's got a lot of yeah. books that he's working on, and just got to keep him going. And the same thing with you. You've got you know your books that I'm inter- really interested in. Find out uh, what goes on with that red book. So uh, when you get that done, yeah, I want yeah. to see something on it. Okay, okay, yeah, I haven't really been promoting it yet. I wrote the summary earlier this year, and um, so I've got to finish these other three first. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite sure that I'll know when you get yours done. Yeah, I'm sure, because I always know. Oh, most notice. definitely. Most and definitely. We'll, have, we'll have you on again, okay, when that happens. All right, well, 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 thank you very much, and I appreciate the honor for being here. For anybody out there listening that um, is trying to chase that dream, Go for it and don't listen to what anybody says that says that you can't do it because you can. I'm living proof. That's an awesome ending. I appreciate that. And I'm really glad to have talked to you and uh, found out a lot more about you. That's great. All right. And thank you, Patty. And God bless you and, and the listeners out there as well. Thank you. All right. You take I'm care. Going to take- Bye. <laughs> bye bye. Well, that was. J.D. Grace, and this is Patty Holtzrand signing off for the night. And you guys have a great uh, rest of the week. And we're on on Saturday. We're going to have a space show with uh, Donald Jocks, and we'll be talking a lot more about Habitat and space program and, of course, getting us to the moon. And 
that's all fire and important considering everything's going on in the world right now. So we'll be talking about that, and that is going to be at 10 in the morning Arizona time, which is also Pacific time and mountain time. So keep that in mind wherever you happen to be in the world. So this is Patty Holstrand with K Watch Radio, signing off for the night. <laughs>